Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch as we discuss the new name that will officially be announced on Wednesday. And we discuss some parts of the team as well as an analysis of where the stadium possibly ends up. Michael has been as good as anyone is updating this situation. As a reminder, you can follow Michael on Twitter at MichaelPRTD. You can read my work on ESPN.com. I'll have a few stories up once the name is announced on Wednesday. I'll be glad when this is over and we can move forward and officially call them by their new name. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Empire Media Network on YouTube. That's A-M-P-I-R-E Media Network on YouTube. Just you can see all my interviews there or a lot of them, as well as a lot of the other works by on the Empire Network. Before I play my conversation, a couple thoughts based on the weekend of football. One, with Josh McDaniels headed to the Raiders, I'd have to imagine Derek Carr isn't going anywhere. I don't know that for a fact, but unless you can upgrade, why move on at this point, especially when you have a new coach who's offensive-minded? But there's no doubt it's been coaches and not the owner who have been Carr fans out there. That's why the speculation always persists. I think there's a small chance Russell Wilson gets traded. I'm still not sold that Deshaun Watson would waive his no-trade clause to come here. In the past, it was a distinct no. And yeah, there are other issues with him, but I'm just talking about the no-trade clause. So that means Washington won't have many legitimate options at quarterback unless they do one hell of a sales job on a few other guys. That means a guy like Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo is most certainly in play. He was not stellar during the postseason by any means. I know Michael Silver wrote a column on ValleySports.com talking to Jimmy G after the game about what he went through physically to play this postseason, the injury issues he played with, like a torn ligament in his thumb, shoulder issue, etc. It's a good look from the perspective of what Garoppolo went through and what teammates also think of him. I've heard in the past how much teammates like him, not, not, necessarily, not necessarily just as a guy, but I think they do, but also more so importantly at that position as a leader. That matters. And there's little doubt those types of injuries impact your ability to throw the ball with accuracy or the same velocity. But it also doesn't explain the decision-making. And at times he makes plays that leave you scratching your head. Some of the throws I've seen him make on picks this season when I went back and watched his film it wasn't because of an injury. It was because, why didn't you see that guy? However, I haven't talked to anyone who didn't think he'd be an upgrade over what Washington currently has. I would liken, liken it in some ways to Kansas City getting Alex Smith from, from San Francisco, a mid-tier starting quarterback. But Smith impacted games by not turning it over. Garoppolo threw 12 picks in the regular season, which isn't horrible, except that he only threw 441 passes, which was the 20th most in the NFL. He also only had 20 touchdown passes, and that's where those 12 picks really stand out because you need to have a better ratio and more on that in a minute. By comparison, Taylor Heineke threw 15 picks and 494 throws, also had the same amount of touchdowns. Both ratios aren't good. Garoppolo ranked 18th. Um, in the touchdown to interception ratio, but that was two spots ahead of Carr. I keep bringing up Garoppolo's name, not because I'm pushing for him, because I know he's a definite person of interest and he's probably the the one who's most available. Again, one of the few legitimate options available. 
He has strengths. He has minuses. He probably won't excite the fan base to go sell, to have them go buy tickets and provide the level of hope they want and need. But with, with the right talent around him, he can clearly help a team go far. He's been in two NFC championship games. You can't dismiss that. It's good that he didn't fold up the Niners acquired Trey Lance. Um, I think I think he handled that pretty well. I think it's a lot like what Alex Smith did after they got Mahomes, although I think Smith responded with a much better season at one point. And that year, he was considered an MVP candidate. Carson Wentz would be another possibility if the Colts decide to move on from him. I'd be concerned if they did because of the Frank Reich impact. That's who helped him in Philly and who wanted him with the Colts. If he wants to move on, that would give me pause. But again, Washington needs to upgrade at the position. And so in if you get certain guys, you're not necessarily looking long-term. You hope it's long-term, but you're really probably looking and just trying to see and knowing he's an upgrade now, is he an upgrade for the next five years? It would re- In any of these cases, it would remain to be seen. And I think that's where you still have to look and say, well, if you sign this guy or get that guy, do you still draft somebody maybe in the second or third round and hope that they develop? This will be a topic for a while, and I'll be bringing on guests to talk about multiple quarterback options over the next over the next month or so, especially because as we get into free agency and trades, we're getting close to the time where these things are going to start happening. I do think it's interesting when you look at some of these teams who were in the in the championship games. The Rams were a dreadful franchise for years, years before they hired Sean McVay. Is it a good franchise now, or do they just hire the right guy? Well, clearly the right guy can help make it a good franchise or a better franchise. The Bengals were horrible. Joe Burrow came along. The Niners were also very bad and dysfunctional and had internal issues, including with the owner. And while you can quibble with Kyle Shanahan's handling of games, they've been in two NFC championship games and one Super Bowl. The owners of these teams were not considered good. Now, Dan Snyder has more problems than most owners, as we all know, and I'm not going to defend them. But sometimes even a bad place gets lucky. Had Miami made that two-point conversion in 2019 versus Washington, Joe Burrow is here. Well, And the Bengals remain the Bengals. And while the common line is, well, they would have screwed him up somehow, the Bengals were a worse place and they did not screw him up. Nor do I think this place would have either. I think Joe Burrow is one of those not screw-upable type of quarterbacks that's a word, because of his approach. What I love about him and what Washington needs to find to turn a place around or to take that next step is a guy who not only can play, but is an intense competitor. That's Burrow. You can list all his other strengths, and he has plenty, accuracy. He's good. He's got, he has a good, not a great arm, but a good arm, but good arm talent. To me, it starts with his competitiveness and his confidence. You can look at traits of other quarterbacks, I don't think Malik Willis is the second coming of Pat Mahomes. They have there's a there's might be a similar skill set. It doesn't make them similar quarterbacks. Um, I think he's a guy worth watching and developing. I just don't know that this place would have the patience that it would take to to go that route. But Washington must. But I think you've got to look at everybody. Washington must listen and pay attention to the intangibles at this position as well. I think one reason again Burrow lifted that place up because of his again his approach his demeanor, et cetera. Guys believe in that. Guys rally around that. And then when you have the talent, it makes them believe even more, of course. They face a difficult task, Washington does. But as some of these other teams have shown, it's not an impossible one. But at this point, right now, it's far more on Ron Rivera and his group than on Dan Snyder. Now, where Snyder comes in, 
is that he must listen to his football people on the quarterbacks. Hasn't happened enough in the past. Listen, if they... It goes back to the. It goes back to a lot of them, but the latest one was was Dwayne Haskins. Based on what I heard, despite what Mark Davis might think about Carr, he appears to have listened to his football people. Is Carr great? No, but he's good, and he gives the Raiders a chance. Otherwise, they'd be in the same spot Washington is now, looking for that guy, any guy, to be their leader. I'll keep harping on this one, but Washington should not feel like it has enough playmakers. It has the promise of some, but you can't count on promise. Deami Brown has some talent. Got to see it more. Curtis Samuel has a talent. Got to stay healthy. It will be tough to find one, one of those guys. And, and listen, I and love J.D. McKissick. He's a free agent. You got to keep him. But also, he's coming off an injury. Logan Thomas off an injury. Samuel off an injury. That's tough. It will be tough to find one of those guys in free agency unless you have a certain type of quarterback. But I'd still look to add a guy, even if that means taking somebody at 11. I'll talk more about this as the season unfolds, um, but it was another topic that stood out this weekend. It's not about finding the next Debo Samuel. Those guys are hard to find. They do have Curtis Samuel, who offers versatility as well, though not yet the same playmaking ability. It's about finding guys who can take short throws and turn them into long games, however they do it, whether it's Jamar Chase, Tariq Hill, or Debo Samuel. The more guys you have like that, the better. Terry McLaurin is very good. He needs more help around him. Jimmy G had Samuel and George Kittle. I like Logan Thomas. He's not Kittle. Few are. Anyway, that's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Do we have a good command of the team name? The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner, of Super Bowl 56 is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 to get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 286 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code KIME at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Well, America's podcast guest, Michael Phillips. I, I don't know why, like, I just, I like that line for you because that is what you are. It's, I'm the only person in America that doesn't have his own podcast. And uh, if, if I ever got one, the whole system would break down. There would be no guests available for the other ones. It, it would definitely break down because then, yeah, I mean, I don't know what we do, you know? So it would, a lot of people would be I'm, awesome. I'm always, always happy to be. Uh, in the John Kime Network, you know Stephen Wino hasn't invited me on to talk caps yet, so I, you got to you got to talk. I, I'm trying to touch all the all the bases in the Empire Network, but I'm getting snubbed here. Well, you know, I had um, I was at a Caps game the other night, so and I haven't been invited on either. But both both of us have attended Capitals games and not been invited on. Snubbed, yeah. snubbed, yeah. I said. Yeah, like I can talk <laughs> about like look at that ice, it's gleaming. So there's my insight. <laughs> That's a fun, that's a fun game to go to. It's an awesome game to go to. And yeah. it's, you know, it's funny because, and I do enjoy going there, but when you go there, like it's, 
it's so different than any, any other sport. Um, yeah. You know, baseball, basketball, especially. And then, and then when you're going to FedEx, it's a little bit different atmosphere too. Used to be like that. Used to be like that. And, we, you know, but it's not now. We'll get into all that in a minute. We'll get into that. There you go. <laughs> let's start. Let's start with the name because this week the name is finally going to be announced. What's your pick? What's well, your I, I, there, yeah, there's so much smoke around commanders. It's really tough to ignore that. But yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I think that whatever it is, people will be relieved that the process is over and we, you, you know, we begin the process of, you know, accepting and embracing the new name, which is not an overnight thing. That's going to take time. But it, it, you, if you talk about moving on from Redskins, it will be easier to do once there is a new name other than the placeholder football team, because it'll give us something to, something to say, something to put our flag on, um, you know, something to embrace. So I, I think that the next stage of the journey begins and we're all ready for that. Yeah. And I, I would agree with that. And I, and I do think it'll be commanders and I, I feel pretty good on that one. So, but I, I think that's where it'll go. Um, and so, but it is, it's weird. Cause then it's like you, you are forging a new identity. And one thing that they've, consistently says like we don't want to be seen as an expansion franchise and they're not but is there a way to avoid you know that's such a big change that i would think it's hard not to be viewed that way by some even though you're not well i you know i i think keeping the color scheme is a great nod and you know we'll we'll see what they do in terms of traditions and the band and all those things that people associate with the Washington football experience historically that, you know, I, is, you know, they, they've always been very good about having alumni at the games and, uh, you know, paying tribute to the past. And I'm a big believer. You keep showing that 91 film, you keep showing that Doug Williams film, it, you know, that stuff that happened that, that exists and you, you know, you keep showing that film and, and reminding people of the history. Um, so I, I think for the fans, it, it's seamless. I, I think for, the outside markets, if you're just living in Denver and you're a Broncos fan, it probably feels new and novel and maybe a little more expansion-y. But I, I think inside the market, it's still the same people, the same stuff. And I, I think they'll keep a lot of the traditions and things that people enjoy about going to games. I would hope I hope they do keep those traditions. And, you know, I know some people are kind of already bemoaned the fact that the song is different. You don't have you know, you're not going to have the HTTR, HTTR moniker anymore, which is a big deal. So I guess HTTC, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, um, <laughs> so, it, it, you know, and, and a lot of the stuff will have to be new and, and, you know, earned through repetition and, and even created spontaneously by the fans. And I was at the XFL team where they made the beer cup snake and that was their thing. Um, you know, stuff happens, stuff happens spontaneously. And, and maybe stuff we will can happen. do that. We could do that in the press box, with with all Nikki's coffees, just just stack her Starbucks, the Starbucks snake. <laughs> that would be that would be a long snake too. Um, but it, you know, and and that's and you're right. And to me, a big key in this has been will be always how the alumni take to it and how they treat the alumni to remind people that this is still the heritage here. This, this franchise is still the one that you guys saw in 91, 87, whatever, because, you know, in, in all honesty, too, like those days are gone anyway. Right. I mean, they're so different now anyways from then that it's everything evolves or changes. Yeah. And look, it's the lamest take to offer here, but it's it's true that they've got to win. You know what? Right. People, people love winners. People 
people get behind winners. Like, you know, there's some goofy named teams that win a lot of games and then people love them and people embrace it. I mean, you you, you think, think about for, for four weeks, we were talking about these, these do these grown men throwing a rock at a wall to celebrate winning. Like that was, <laughs> that was the goofiest thing that happened all year. Everybody's on board with it. Cause they're either beating Tom Brady or beating Russell Wilson. Let's, let's throw the dang rock. And, and you know what, like you had more people listening to podcasts, listening to radio <laughs> during that time, because that's what they want to see as somebody win finally. And that's a thing too, that, you know, there are a lot of fans and, and I don't blame it if they say I'm done with this franchise. I get it. We all we've covered. I've covered all this stuff for under Dan Snyder for two decades. I know why they would be frustrated. The one thing that this team hasn't done is tested the belief that they would never come back because you the only way you test that is by winning and and generating excitement. I think that's the one thing. When I look back, you know, all the 91 Super Bowl stuff, which was fun to go relive for people, I'm sure. And I had people on here and I radio show in town had people, but it was such a fun period for this fan base, obviously, because they're winning, but also the excitement around it. And they haven't had that in decades, whether they were called the Redskins or football team or whatever, they haven't had that. The last time was probably when Robert was here. So the, the only way you can recapture that is, is by generating that level of excitement. And, and it's like, yeah. that was real. And it can happen again. If you win, it can always happen again. Kansas City Royals. I, I grew up in Kansas. Uh, my dad, just monster Royals fan. And, and it just never resonated for me. I mean, they, they stunk my entire childhood. And, you know, we would go up there to watch Nolan Ryan come to town with the Rangers, you know, to watch uh, all these other guys. But they made the World Series a few years ago. I got into it. I, I flew back. We went to the game. It was a great time. Uh, you know, it's always one step away. And then the step is winning. And, this, and that step is quarterback, too. I mean, you know, you know, like if they can get, yeah. if they, if they had had pretty good quarterback play the last two years, they're back-to-back playoff seasons, probably. Yeah. So, so possibly. I mean, I, this year, I don't want to assume that because, but there could have been a couple of games where you sneak out because, you know, Denver or maybe Green Bay or the Chargers or whatever. One of those, you know, if you get two of those games, you know. On the other hand, they're two, they're a fluky offsides away from losing the game to the Giants, and they're you know, crazy finish against the Falcons. So here I'll, I'll put two on the board right away. They beat the saints and they beat the Broncos with, with, with good. Beat, definitely beat the Broncos. Yeah. So yeah. And maybe the games, Packers. Those games are done deals. I think they have a chance against the Packers. I, I think the late season thing shakes out a little bit differently. You probably get one against the Eagles for sure. It's not a stretch to suggest that the quarterback position costs them four wins this year over what it could have been. Yeah, and that which is why I think they'll be obviously very aggressive. Do you have a leader? And like I know nobody knows what the heck's going to happen because we don't even know who's going to be available until these all these coaching vacancies are filled. You don't know who's going to be available, but you know, do you have a gut feel? Do you have a you know just because this is all right now gut feel or just an opinion more than anything else? Yeah, sure. See, I think you've got a big four going on. So obviously Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and I'm going to put David Carr in the big four camp. I, I think those are the four guys that if you land them, people get juiced, people get excited, people say, wow, there's an elite quarterback leading the Washington football team. And I'm aware some people want to debate me on Carr or whatever. Those are, those are my four. Those well, don't debate me on David Carr, not Derek Carr. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, I no, think you're still will, you're still right. Some would too, even with him. I, I think they will chase 
the the big four and they want to land one of the big four. But you know who else wants to land one of the big four, Kyle? Everybody. Everybody, everybody wants one of those quarterback. guys. It's professional football. Everybody wants one of those guys. So I, I don't know that it's a given. So now you're looking at your, your plan B. And, and I think your plan B, instead of trying to tape it up with a, a Trubisky or a Mariota or somebody, I think your plan B is to go rookie. I think that's just so much more palatable to the fans. Um, you know, Malik Willis is a name I, I think has a lot of buzz behind him with good reason, but he's a developmental guy. He's a year away from being where you'd want him to be. Everybody sees that. Um, so I think if you don't land one of the big four, you're, you're in for a potentially rough season, no matter how it ends up. Um, but 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 I, I do think it's more palatable with a rookie because you can get excited along the way. You can. I think it also is, you know, clearly Ron Rivera was like, are you guys going to be patient with me? So with with Willis would require a lot of patience. And, yep. you know, I think you'd have to have a placeholder along the way. So do you go out and get a Trubisky to be that? Because to me, if you get Trubisky, he's a placeholder. You know, you're not getting him to be long term. You're going to get him. And, and even if they get even if they went out and got Garoppolo, I'm still drafting a guy. Hey, you know what? What kills me about Garoppolo is he's he's literally on the road to being Kirk Cousins 2.0, really enhanced by the Shanahan offense, probably going to be, be paid way too much. Not sure he can do it with the game on the line and he's got to carry the team. I mean, it, it, that's just Kirk Cousins all over again. Uh, if, if you can get him on a reasonable contract, sure. But oh, somebody's going somebody, somebody's to overpay that dude and they are going to regret it. Well, the one I think for the people, for anybody, and first of all, he's an upgrade over what they have. There's, there's no, oh, doubt. no doubt. There's no yeah. doubt. But for those who, if they, if that's what somebody's solution is, the good news for them is that his, that he hasn't played that great in the postseason, so the stock is kind of going down. But of course, that's, <laughs> you know, that's not what you want. But you know, I do think he's a, I think he has some good qualities as a quarterback and I think he has some limitations or some issues and some of the picks and all that that he's thrown and sometimes you're like what the hell were you looking at um and he's got that quick twitch which I think gets him in bail out of situations and gets him into bad spots as well because he kind of relies on that but you know I still think if you get him you're going to look for a guy maybe after the first round that you can say okay we got Garoppolo we'll take you know a Des Ritter Carson Strong in round two or three and maybe maybe develop that way, or or maybe you push it off another year because at least with this guy, you feel like you could get to ten wins, and and maybe maybe in a best case scenario for them, he becomes their the equivalent of Alex Smith going to the Chiefs. I, I think it's a window that's open. I, I think the Cowboys are a super team, but I, I think as we've seen that, that there's so much combustibility there that I don't know. Like if if I were. I watched the Denver Broncos try to push their chips to the middle every year. And I just think like, I think I'd wait a couple of years, like wait for this Mahomes thing to die down, wait for the, you know, like the, the salary cap will catch up to them. Eventually Herbert's the same. He's still on his rookie deal. Like there are certain teams where I think it's wise to wait and not push the chips in. I'm, this conference is so wide open. I'm right. I'm going for it if I can. Well, and, and also the division, because, you know, I think Dak, there's a lot of things I like about Dak. But where does he stack up in the echelon of quarterbacks? Is he consistently a top 10 guy? I'm not sure about that, but I do like him. And sometimes I, you know. That's where we come back to value. I mean, it, Dak is getting paid more than he brings. So would, would you like to have Dak on your team? Yeah, of course he's great. But do you like Dak at that salary? I think that's a tough question to answer. It is. Well, I, listen, it's the same question that these guys had when Kirk Cousins was here. 
Did they want him back? Yes. Did they want him at 30? No. And I don't blame him. I always felt like he was a, if you, to me, the ceiling that I would have paid him at that time is 23 or 24, but the market dictated he could go get what he got. And so if you get him, can you build? And if, if Rivera's goal is to build, like a guy's desires to build, then you can't pay a certain amount for a guy who's not a top level quarterback. So, yeah. And obviously this, this conversation does not carry over to, Wilson, Rogers, Watson, you, you pay them whatever you need to pay them. Right. As we saw with Mahomes, there are certain people that just are worth the number that you put down on paper. Like that's, that's still a worthwhile investment. So if Wilson came here, we might get more than a thousand or two at training camp practices. <laughs> Especially if you come down to Richmond, that's, you know, the old stomping grounds. So let's get to the stadium. Because you just wrote a story on this for the Richmond Times Dispatch on you basically you had um, analyzing each locale, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, and where you think based on your reporting and talking to people over the time. And, you know, that's it's not a topic that I've devoted enough attention to yet. I have talked to some people. I know, you know, clearly some people in Virginia over the years. Um, I know, you know, there's a lot, you've been deeply involved in this. So right now, and I think you even put your top six list out there. Where do you, where do you have the favorite right now? I think the favorite is Loudon, uh, you know, the Dulles Loudon corridor sites. I, I think, I think Virginia senses it has a lot of momentum at this moment. Um, it, it's got a government that is ready to push this thing through the new governor's for it. The legislature is for it. Um, it's got, the advantage of the other two localities kind of being, you know, a little wishy-washy. Um, I think they're determined to press their advantage as much as possible right now. And, and you know, one of the things, Terry McAuliffe, you remember, I mean, goodness, was that five, six years ago, he was, he was openly courting them. They, they weren't ready to play ball just yet. They were still waiting to see, can we get into RFK? Can we get a deal elsewhere? I, I think this is McAuliffe 2.0, but the difference is, they sense this is their moment and, and they're really pressing hard. Let's get this thing. I go back to that. Uh, the Washington Post had that story back in December about the legislature, you know, really moving, trying to get things done. And you always look at, you know, where's the story coming from? That story was coming from the Virginia government side, not from the team side. And, and I think that's, I think the Virginia government wants to really juice up, hey, we want to make this happen and we want to get it done right now. We don't want to wait around. So if it's Virginia, so you had Loudon, the Dulles, and you even had a, I think your third was a mystery Virginia site. I'm assuming that would be Prince William County, or do you look at Tyson's as a possibility? You know, when, when um, sports betting was legalized in Virginia, um, FanDuel uh, partnered with the Washington football team, and they launched a, a sports betting thing around that partnership. And um, in, our, in our reporting then uh, at the Times-Dispatch, one of the things we quoted was uh, a senator said to us, that they have a, a location, a plot of land picked out that they think they can get closer to the beltway and closer to the action. So now that's obviously preferable for everybody. Everybody wants, uh, you know, closer to the beltway, closer to the city, closer to the metro area. Your issue is, is Virginia, the state, going to play ball to the same extent as they are in Loudoun? I, I think Virginia views this as, hey, we'll give you the money, we'll give you the billion dollars, building in Loudoun, we're going to we're going to make another mega city out here around this Dulles corridor. You rest in Sterling, Herndon, you know, we're going to really build this area up, juice it up, make it the new center of power in the, in the area. Um, do they get that bump in 
inside the beltway? Do they get that bump in, you know, a Fairfax County location? I think the answer is no. Those are already very desirable places to live. Uh, you, know, you think about Nationals Park, uh, MCI Center, whatever they call that now, um, you know, those were built deliberately in neighborhoods to juice up development in those neighborhoods. And the closer you get to the city, the less of that you get on the Virginia side. And then, you know, for that, like you go back to the gambling. I think we talked before, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but part of the theory would be that they might pay for a stadium, but they already know because the area is developed and making money that the chance for the state to make money is further out because you have more land to develop. Where in, if you go to Tyson's in that area, you're knocking yep. down money to make money, right? That, that, that's, that's a great way to put it. They're knocking down money to make money. That doesn't make fiscal sense. Whereas you go out to loud, you're, you're creating new money and then creating new opportunity. And then with the, with the casino, because that's also National Harbor's a site, but the MGM is right there. Chances of Dan Snyder being okay splitting money with MGM. <laughs> you know, that, that's ultimately what Virginia feels is the real advantage here. So Virginia legalized casinos two years ago. They picked five locations around the state. None of the five were in Northern Virginia. Um, so, so there's still the possibility to put a casino in Northern Virginia. If they offer that to Snyder as their contribution for the stadium, you think about what that could be worth. I mean, that could be worth a billion dollars over the next 10 years. Casinos make money. I, I know you and I win every time we go in, but a lot of people lose in casinos. Um, and, you know my been- record in Vegas. You know my record in <laughs> Vegas this year. It was a pretty big return. I, you know, they had to dim the lights after cakes left, save money for a few days, bounce back. Uh, you know, if, if they put a casino in Loudoun County as part of this, that, that stands too as a way to say, we didn't use any tax dollars. We didn't use your money, you being Virginians, you and I both Virginians. Right. We didn't use any of your money. We gave them this casino and that was the contribution. And it's a really valuable contribution. It is. Now, Prince William was, was, and I talked to somebody earlier in the week or last week about this and about Prince William because their their thought was, well, they might, the state lawmakers might look at it, well, it's between D.C. and Richmond and it's off of the 95 quarter. How much do you think that will be a factor in this? Well, you know, it's, it's not impossible to have a site that doesn't have metro access. And is it you like you look at uh, the Arizona Cardinals play in the middle of nowhere, the New England Patriots play in the middle of nowhere, like there are NFL teams that do that, the middle of nowhere business model. It's I feel it, it would be a detrimental long term decision. So we're talking about Office 66, right. kind of in about the Manassas area. Um, it, it's it's a tough. So you I, think it'd be more Manassas than would like the Woodbridge area? You know, I not not to rule out Woodbridge because I, I think that certainly there are lots of plots of land in play there. I you know I I think that they are looking at anywhere they can find a big enough chunk so of land. Manassas is I, I will say the, the the proximity to Richmond is a real thing, and and you also get Charlottesville and Norfolk. Um, you know, Norfolk's a very good NFL market. That's a top ten NFL market every year. They've always been very deliberate about courting that Norfolk market. Um, you know. What you gain in being closer to that, you really lose commensurately on the other side in terms of, you know, it, it being really tough for those fans to go. So not that they would, but, you know, they envision this being hosting Final Fours, hosting right. you know, WrestleMania, national championship games, Taylor Swift concerts, you know, all, all those things. And 
there, there are people who will go anywhere to do something, but it, you know this, you've been to big events, it's more fun when it's near development, near restaurants, right, right. near action. It, it, it enhances the vibe. It, it does. And what, you know, it's funny because what really spelled that out for me, and first of all, going to the game, you've always, I've always believed that. When they played in Minnesota a few years ago, and that it was a Thursday, I think it was a Thursday night game, right? It was that Thursday or Monday night? I don't yeah, remember. It was. But regardless, it was a night game. I just remember walking to the stadium from the, my hotel, and you get near that area. I'm like, God, it's such a good vibe. And like, this is like, I have, I've never felt like that going to FedEx or like, oh, this is such a fun vibe here. Like the fans try to make it a certain way. The team doesn't help, but there's also not enough around there to create that. And that, that was really like, I really would love to see that whatever the new stadium is, whether I'm covering the team still then or not. I mean, you know, it, it would, but you'd like to see that for the fans. Cause I just think it adds energy to everything. No doubt. And, you know, part of this is they want to they want to generate their own energy through right. doing this, through building the restaurants, building everything around. And the, the Patriots do that to a large extent. They've got, you know, a little Patriot village there around mm-hmm. the stadium. I, I would expect something similar. Uh, Atlanta Braves in baseball built a new stadium hour outside of Atlanta. Um, but it's a whole little contained village. You show up, you have dinner, you watch the game. Right. There's bar afterward. There's all that. So there's going to be action. But I I think I think, you know, you talk if you're talking Woodbridge, if you're talking places like that, it's a really tough sell for for your Bethesda customer. It's a tough sell for a Berryville customer, let me tell you. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not I'm not a big fan. Like I'd rather you know, and I don't know if I even want it in Loudon, even though it's closer to where I live. You know, I've always wished they could get back down to the district. I, I like teams that play in the city that they're named after. But as you know, explain to people that the holdup with the um, RFK site. Yeah, we don't say this enough, but but it, thank you for prompting that because we're saying everybody wants to be at RFK. Dan wants to be at RFK. The, you know, the, the right. city wants to the fans. Everybody knows that RFK is the best option. Um, so you got, you, you know, the federal government has to sign off on it and they've tried. Um, you remember in the Bruce Allen years, they tried to sneak it in, uh, I think, in Trump's budget one year, uh, tried, tried, tried to sneak it through. Um, you know, it's not for a lack of trying, but there, there's zero appetite for that in the federal government. And then now, as we're talking about a giant development with a casino, with other elements, um, that makes it even less palatable. Um, it, it's it's pretty close to a non-starter at that level. And that that's tough to see because we all, we all see what a great spot that is. Yeah. And we all... You know, without diving down the rabbit hole, we all know how messed up it is that D.C. gets run by the federal government instead of the people who live there. Um, so it, it's tough to see. But, you know, at, at some point, you've got to face the music. This thing ain't happening. Because it's, it's, it's federal government, it's Department of Interior, and then it's the city is leasing the land, correct? So all yeah. those elements combine to make it a you have to get the basically three voices of support with but, that. By the way, my my hottest take is so the city controls the land, I think, until like 2029 or something like that because of the RFK lease. My, my hottest take is the call your bluff model um, where they just build it. And in 2029, they dare them to come take it away. There you go. I kinda, <laughs> that's kind of I kind of like that. Um, odds, of, odds of it staying at FedEx in that area. Well, it, it, so it, in a Maryland situation, I think we all agree National Harbor is the best site in Maryland. But you mentioned it earlier. There's MGM there. There's the giant uh, hotel there. There's there's the, the entertainment infrastructure is there. So the team is not profiting off of those ancillary elements. So, you know, the team's building a stadium and playing football there. And 
would, would do very successfully. But as we talk about live, work, play, you know, the village concept here, the village already exists. You're joining somebody else's village right. that that cuts into your revenue streams. Uh, you know, FedEx obviously offer, offers the opportunity, build from the ground up, build your own vision the whole way through. It's it's not as terrible as, as people make it sound, but it, at the same time, you know, there are more Virginia fans than Maryland fans, and the Virginia fans speak with their feet. You, know, you think about Monday night games, Thursday night games. It's tough to get people from one side of the city to the other for that. I, you know, it, it's tough for a lot of reasons. It, it is, and you know, the funny thing is because, as we know in Maryland, there are a lot there that Ravens area bleeds into Montgomery County, and there, it, there's a lot of bleeding and all that. And so, like, well they're an hour away and this team's 40 minutes away. I'll just go to this team. And because that team keeps winning, they've, they've kind of siphoned off a lot of fans from Maryland, it seems, right? Oh yeah, no question. As long as Lamar Jackson keeps, you know, being amazing. Right. I, if, if you're a third grade kid going to school in Maryland, whose jersey do you want to wear to, to school? You want to wear the Lamar Jackson, man. He's cool. Yeah, yeah. And so that, that's, but that's where it goes back to everything we talk about with the name and all that. You want to give people jazz. It's not the stadium. It's not, you know, game day experience and all that. People went to RFK. RFK was a dump. I mean, it was, you know, but it was a, it was a beautiful dump, you know, like, because it had charm inside it had, but it was not a, you know, great stadium. It was a great atmosphere, you know, like, I mean, the, the press box was terrible for us. Like, and you, I don't know that you ever, I don't know if you've ever been in a the press I, box there. <laughs> Just for Nationals baseball, I, okay. I missed the Redskins years, yeah. Yeah, and, like, you'd be huddled – you'd be, like, tightly squeezed, wedged into your little little area. Chris Russell would have had a hard time because he brings about 500 pieces of equipment to games. So he would have had a hard time. It would have been fantastic. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, like it was you know if you had a winter coat on, it was even tighter. And, and then the, the window was open. It was just not a great place to cover a game. But it was so much fun to be there. And um, so, like, if – but it stemmed from winning and they won there and it was, you know, the stands bound. So you can, you know, is, but man, it just, I hope whatever they do that they get the stadium right and that they get the spot, the place right, because you have people now making decisions who may or may not be here in a few years, but fans are going to have to live with the consequences of those decisions, good or bad, good or bad. People keep buying tickets for Lambeau field. You get to sit on a cold metal bleacher. That's right. I mean, right. Yeah, I mean, listen, like there's there are some other stadiums I used to go. Listen, I grew up in Cleveland, the old municipal stadium, you know, for people who don't remember it, you know, go Google it and what it looked like. It was not a that was a bigger dump than RFK because it was 80,000 seats. But the atmosphere was good and there was there was some charm to it, just like RFK. So but people went because, first of all, they were passionate. Secondly, they were, you know, well, they weren't always winning, but they won enough. Right. And so, you know, that's what gets people there. And then and then a bad stadium becomes charming because the memories are so good. And that's what FedEx is just, you know, the, the stadium stinks. The site stinks. Cook paid for it with his own money. A lot of credit there. But this is what you got. And then they didn't create their own memories. Like the only year where there was a lot of buzz, Michael, was the was the RG3 year. The Robert year. Yep. Yeah, of course. And, yeah. So that, you know, that was the, the the hail to the Redskins after the touchdown to seal that win over the Cowboys. I mean, that's that's an all time. Like yeah. I've been to I've been to a lot of cool places, a lot of cool games. That's that's a top five for me. That yeah. place was that place was buzzing and they just couldn't sustain it. 
No, they couldn't. And it's sad. Like, that's where it gets back to where it's sad to see. Because I even watching highlights from that year, you see Robert running down the sidelines against the Vikings. And you see, <laughs> you see like 80,000 people going crazy. And one guy on the sidelines wearing number 12, who's just placid as all can be, Kirk Cousins. But you know what I mean? Like that stadium was like, yeah, it used to be full. It was like this place it used to be full. And now because of all these things that have happened, it's not. And so that's where the work remains is whatever you do, whatever the name, you know, they have to create memories so that you don't have to rely on the 30th anniversary of a or 10 years, a 40th anniversary of the 91 team to carry the week. So, and I hope along those lines that they start retiring the numbers of guys who built this franchise. Now, now that we're going down that road, it's time to, time to step it up. And, and it, is. Right. Yeah. it is, it yeah. is. And there, like, there's, there's a number of them you can go with and, you know, whether it's Daryl and I know that some alumni are thinking the same thing, like, why didn't they do Daryl? Why haven't they done Riggins or Monk or, or, you know, you're going to have some over the hill gang guys say, what about Larry Brown? And, you know, and you know, whomever there's a, there's a few that you can pick from. So I think there's a way to still connect to that past. And if they're smart this year, and I think I would think that they're going to do some of those this year as a reminder that the name has changed, but the legacy and all this stuff remains. So big year, we big year in a lot of ways, big week, Michael, big week. So big week. thanks a lot for joining me, man. And we will, I'll see you out there on Wednesday for the big reveal. I don't know. You know what? I hope like, you know, are they going to do like throw up a couple of balloons and you pop one? And it's like, up, oh, it's the commanders, or there's that little tiny one that says <laughs> admirals, which it's not going to be. But it's like yeah. like those gender reveal parties that end right, up right, like right, right, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you remember, like there was a guy at training camp a couple of years ago who did the um, long snapper with with Sunberg and did the reveal that. Way. So, but yeah, so but yeah, like you said, I mean, I think we both expect it to be commanders, correct? Yes, um, but I. I'm, I'm excited to see the logos, the uniforms, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the activations, the, the, all, all, all the, all those buzzwords around it. Um, there, there's so much more than just the word itself. Um, and Jason Wright's team has taken some lumps over the last year. And I would say many of them have been well-deserved, but I, I think this is still a crew with a very distinguished resume and an understanding of how important it is to get this right. I still believe they're going to get this thing across the finish line. That's going to be good. Okay, good. And that, you know, you're right though about the uniforms because everybody that I've talked to who has seen them are like, you know, cause I even, I even asked somebody earlier or last week, just like, you know, I just worry if fans are going to have, it's going to be so jarring for fans. And someone's like, you know, I saw them. It's like, they're really good. So that's the one thing I'm curious to see. And I think a lot, like we know the name, whatever it ends up to be, the name will be um, received a certain way. Sure. And um, it's probably not going to be great because it's such a change. Because you, you got to say it for 80 years before Correct. it becomes normal. Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's going to be a change for that. But if you can grab them with the uniforms, the logo, then you've got a chance to at least generate some excitement for what it could be. And then the key is start developing your own damn memories. There you go. Yes. There you go. I love it. And I had to emphasize it with the damn. Yeah. Oh, no, it's a podcast. You can do that. There you go. <laughs> and it's my podcast, too. Well, I can do whatever <laughs> I, I want. There you go. Yeah. Well, Michael, thanks a lot, and I'll see you out there Wednesday. All right. Take care. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Michael for joining me, and thank you for listening. 
This is our last broadcast where we talk about the Washington football team. Starting Wednesday, it'll be something different. I'll have an episode after the name is officially announced. Talk to you next time.